Hello and welcome to Numbers on the Boards presented by Fanboys, the official toy store of the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella, joined as always by the GOAT, Jeff Skin Wade. Skin, the last 72 hours, the last 48 hours, 24 hours, 2.4 hours, 2.4 minutes, a complete whirlwind. How are you? How are you holding up? I'm hanging in there pretty good, but I would be lying to you if I told you that I can focus and concentrate right now. I still, there's so much activity that I can't really compartmentalize everything where it needs to go and understand the the landscape of things because, God, that was wild and wild. Yeah, just off the rip, do you remember a trade deadline, trade season, as chaotic as this one, as significant as this one, no. with, with this level of magnitude? No, I, I sure don't. Uh, we'll see if it ends up having some uh, long-term who-wins-a-championship type sort of thing that we always think about when Rasheed Wallace went to the Pistons. And then they actually went and won the championship that year. Like, I always think about what a big deal that was. But, uh, man, not only for this particular year, there's teams that made major moves that think that they can win a championship this season because of those moves. And then also next season and the season beyond. It was it was a seismic uh, trade deadline, without a doubt. And the best part about it is that I think the Mavs think they're one of those teams. And maybe they are. Now, we're going to break yeah. down... Kyrie and the debut and the trade and everything. In the second segment, we're going to get into what the rest of the NBA is doing because a couple teams out West are really kind of killing my vibe, trying to steal our thunder. I thought, well, okay, so that's a great place to start because we will talk about the Mav-Clipper game. I felt a lot differently at the end of the Mav-Clipper game than I felt when I woke up and saw everything. (laughs) Like, wait a minute, everything I thought like eight hours ago is way different now. How the hell did that happen? Completely like afterglow. Like I'm just just totally just on the moon. And then I'd see my phone and I'm like, wait a minute. What? Wait a minute, that's not supposed to happen. Dude, I was sitting there thinking last night, I was like, Kyrie and Luca together... There's not a great defensive team in the West. Memphis will say, hey, look at us. We have a number two defensive rating, and we have a defensive player of the year candidate. But I was like, I like your offense enough that I'm not worried about that. And it's not like like Denver's, and they don't have any defense. You know, I was sitting there going, I feel good about this. And I was like, wait a minute. I can't process everything that just happened, and I don't like certain matchups. But whatever, there's two and a half months to go, so let's go. I don't know. You're, you're valid. Your opinions are valid, uh, so much so that the, the Suns were so terrified of the Luka Kyrie duo that they had to go trade for Kevin Durant right. to try and one-up us. So right. I think we're on the right path here. But, uh, okay, Kyrie Irving, you know that he was traded to the Mavs for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a first-round pick, some second-round picks. Markeith Morris also comes to Dallas in the deal, and Kyrie on Wednesday night made his debut against the Clippers. It was awesome. But before we get to that game, <laughs> before we get to the game, just – like what I what I think a lot of people kind of fail to understand is that Kyrie Irving is like a you know there are there are off court issues of course but he is like a cultural icon mm-hmm. he's like a movie star yeah um his shoe is like the most popular in the NBA for a very long time right he hit one of the most iconic shots in NBA history on Steph Curry on Steph Curry to beat the unbeatable team yeah um he has played at an extremely high level for a very long time. Probably uh, a more accomplished resume than Luca. Possibly a more accomplished resume. I mean, he's like one of the two or three best players that has ever played in a Mavs uniform. Like we're we're talking about a bona fide superstar, Hall of Fame caliber player. Yeah. Did you say he's like a movie star? 
Because oh, he is he a movie is a, star. He is a movie star. So let me do a little name dropping, and okay. I can do it because okay. he's a part of the Mav family, the legendary rapper, the DOC. Oh, yeah. He's Buddy. He sent me a text, and all it said in all caps, Uncle Drew. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, we got to get the DOC to all our games. Yeah. Him and oh, Big yeah. Talk, everybody. We yeah, got to get the whole cool. squad in. Uh, no, no. You, I, the, he's an extraordinary talent, a mind-boggling player. And, you know, I think it's fair as part of the conversation because you can go to basketball reference and look at the number of games that he's played. Like, that's a criticism. That's why you can get a guy like that. But thing people need to understand about that, Brooklyn was trying to re-sign him, but those bridges had been burned and he wanted out. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And that's a Clever, whole... by the way. Clever. Thank you very thank you very much. Um, so being able to get, his, get him is extraordinary. The type of talent that he is is extraordinary. But there's other stuff that you have to talk about and it's fair and it's part of the conversation. Um, but just from a talent standpoint. So I was on right after the, the trade with the downbeat, the afternoon show on 97, one, the freak, which is the home of Dallas Mavericks basketball, the radio home of Dallas Mavericks. Basketball. And where some of you are hearing us right now. That's right. Uh, every Saturday you can hear studio 41 radio, but the, the, Reference I like to give on this thing, because it's a really unique, fortunate position that I'm in that I enjoy greatly, is sitting next to Derek Harper, because he's he was one of the greatest defensive players of his era. He's one of the greatest Mavericks of all time, as evidenced by his jersey hanging up there in the, ra- in the Raptors, or do we call it Rafters? Hanging up there where Raptors fly and Rafters are. Um, but he was a defensive menace. And so he looks at the game through a certain lens, and a lot of it is... And what I found with other NBA players that you meet, they oftentimes look at players as how would I contend with this? Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't think they think about it in their prime. Like if I was going head to head with this guy, what kind of problems does he create? And I can tell you that over the last five or six years or whatever, doing games and sitting next to harp and seeing the sort of visceral reaction he has to certain players, there's only a handful of them that makes him nudge in the ribs. And without a doubt, one of those five or six guys is Kyrie Irving. Kind of like an elite player in his day watching this guy going, man, what do you do with this? Now, one of the other guys that he's like that with is Luka Doncic. And that's genuine. There's no BS with Harp. None. It's what you see is what you get. He'll tell you exactly what he thinks. And I can tell you, without even having the conversation with Derek Harper... He thinks Kyrie Irving is super elite, mind-boggling. This guy can do things a lot of guys can't do. And that should tell you everything you need to know about what getting a player like that, what it takes to get a player like that, and then how it changes the landscape. And it's going to change things greatly for Luka Doncic. Hope so. Hope so. The the one stat, I'm not going to number you to death here on numbers on the boards, but the Mavs this year, in quarters one through three, mm-hmm. have been an incredible team whenever Luka gets double teamed. In the fourth quarter, they have been a very, very bad offensive team, scoring under .9 points per possessions mm-hmm. whenever Luka is getting double teamed. You're not doing that anymore. Nope. The Mavs, the second worst clutch time free throw shooting team in the NBA, Kyrie is 88% for his career. Yep. So you're, you're addressing the two most glaring, most seemingly insurmountable weaknesses of this team. The faults in the roster yeah. that were just completely broken beyond repair. Can I give you one in more? In one move, yes. Do you uh, be critical? 
Do you like the stuff Mavericks have run at the end of games? No. So I would. No. <laughs> I don't. Not particularly, no skin. Uh, but I'm not a coach, and so like I wouldn't be. You know, I can't do. I'm not saying, hey, I should be running. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I watch these things and they frustrate me. I think that changes dramatically. I think even the stuff that the actions that they run to get the ball, even if it's still going to Luca, I think there's going to be less of him catching it. 35 feet from the basket, moving away from the basket with two and a half seconds left, right? Mm. I think there's a lot of different things that you can do because the defense has to think about a lot more now. And I'm very pleased about it. One, I, I'm now I'm not sure that Luke is going to be down with this completely, mm. uh, but one thing that always stood out to me about the Dirk era, especially the back half, mm -hmm. like the Rick era um, and, and beyond, is... Very late in games, the final four seconds, final five seconds, if you're taking the ball out of bounds, they typically would not give it to Dirk. Mm -hmm. They would give it to Dirk with 15 seconds left or 12 right. seconds left. Right. But if you have enough time to take two dribbles and put up a shot, they're going to Jet. Yeah. They're going to Monte. Right. They're going to even OJ Mayo. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to somebody else because those guys are quicker. Those guys can cover more ground in a shorter period of time. Change direction if necessary. Yeah. How are you containing Kyrie Irving for two seconds? You, you can with Luca. Yeah. Luca needs to break you down. It takes some time. Right. He's going to get where he wants to go eventually, but not if you only give him two seconds. No. Kyrie, he's bringing the ball up the floor in a four on four with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in front of him. And he is turning water into wine and, and waltzing his way to the rim like yeah. no one's even there. He's a ridiculous talent and he's, he's a generational talent. Um, so. That ripple effect is interesting. I was curious watching him in his debut and the stuff, especially the Mavs were running in the first quarter. What playbook was that? Dude, it was awesome. <laughs> hey, let's do some pinch post stuff. They were running pinch posts. They absolutely were. And I was watching it with magical delight. Yeah. Because as good as the Mavericks are in the half court with just giving the ball to Luka and letting him conduct and try to move people defensively where he wants to move them to, to get the stuff he wants to get for himself and for others. This is different. Dude, they're running him off like zipper cuts the way that they used yeah. to with Monte to get him going downhill, yes. catching, coming up from the baseline, catching the ball on the move, turning and going. Yeah. They're posting him up. They're running him off Iverson cuts. They're running Hawk stuff. The Mavs run a bunch of handoff stuff and they're literally attacking teams from a different angle. Because we're used to seeing Luca do all his stuff from the left side of the floor. Right. Kyrie does his stuff from the right side of the floor. And that fundamentally changes the way you approach defense. Absolutely. They now have two guys that can score from anywhere, get wherever they want to go. And also, too, you know, it's I've watched Kyrie Irving play 150 basketball games in, in my career, in my life, in my career. Your uh, life of your career of watching basketball. Yeah. Uh, many of them playoff games, high state games, yeah. finals games, whatever. It's it's still different whenever you watch a player that is on your team that you're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Kyrie is able to make passes to Dwight Powell with no practice, with no chemistry between them. Yeah, that guys like Jalen or Spencer, no fault in their game, they just never could. Kyrie I, is able to see the whole floor. Okay, the that's the other thing I wanted to bring up because I want to make sure that I'm giving proper love to Spencer Dinwiddie. Because he was infinitely better here than I thought he was going to be. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. And the, the main part of that was the three-point shooting percentage going up changed a lot of dynamics. And his willingness and ability to play off of Luka and then 
dominate the ball when Luka went to the bench. I don't think enough can be said about that. Having said all that, he was very much like a Monte uh, Monte Ellis-styled ball-dominant guy where he can get you some assists, but they're going to be assists based on, I've broken everybody down, here's help defense, now I find you. And before that happens, there's a singular focus of, I'm going to, I'm ISO, I'm going to go get this. In one game last night, watching the way Kyrie operated and how different it is just as an approach from what Spencer does, had me salivating. That is, I'm not just going ISO here to get a shot. That is, I'm going to break some people down, but I've got a lot of options and I'm not going to just hang on to the ball. Uh, and the most notable game of that that drove us the craziest is almost losing that New Orleans game yeah. where it was still a, too soon to talk about dude, that. Dude, it was a quarter and a half of take turn ISO. It was yeah, horrible. It was bad. It was horrible. <laughs> um, I feel like that's gone. Yeah. As long as Kyrie's healthy and Luca's healthy. I well, feel like the that's thing gone. is, it's not gone because they are going to ISO a lot, but like they're Purpose taking turns. Yeah, yeah. These are two of like the, I'll be charitable. 20 best isolation players of all time. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, they might not be 19 and isn't, 20. Isn't Kyrie first in the league this year in points per possession yeah. in ISO? He scores 1.2 points yeah. per possession in ISO, which means he's scoring a two-point shot three out of five times. Yeah. One-on-one. Right. Luka is fifth or fourth, maybe. Yeah. He changes every day. I mean, they are two of the best one-on-one players of all time. And it's a really good offense yeah. to do that sort of a thing. Yeah. But wasn't it fun the way the ball was moving around last night? It was fun. Because then it's not that outrageous for a secondary guy. Now, I'm not saying Reggie Bullock's going to come out and go five for five to start a game. You know, that's that's extraordinary. But when people are involved and not standing around, you get a different level of engagement. It's human nature. You get a, li- a, a different level of play, level of engagement. Everything changes when that ball's hopping. And having two guys that can do that much offensively almost necess- necessitates that the ball moves, right? Mm. It's just a, it, it, it's just going to be a byproduct of what you're going to do because it's not going to be in one person's hands every single time making every single decision. And even no matter how good that person is at doing that, not the best basketball. Yeah. You know, if you want to get the most out of your teammates – let that ball happen. Yeah, you got to be unpredictable. And one thing that was super predictable. Now, again, Luca's the best half-court player alive. One of the best of all time. Absolutely. But the one thing that was the most predictable about the Mavs offense was its tempo, was its pace. Mm-hmm. The Mavs are going to get the rebound. Even if they get a steal, they're going to find Luca, bring it up the floor, and get into their set with 11 seconds left on the shot clock. Kyrie's getting rebounds. They're getting out. Let's Josh go. Green's getting rebounds. They're getting out. Let's go. Jaden Hardy getting out. Let's go. And the best way to be unpredictable is to play fast, play slow. Mm-hmm. Play half court, play full court. Get guys running on the wing. If you get a rebound, get your butt up the floor and go score. Because Kyrie and Luka are going to combine to take 40 shots a game. Right. 50 shots a game. There might not be a lot of shots for you, Josh Green. So if you want to get your name on the scoreboard, you get that rebound to go down and dunk it. Yep. See if they can stop you. Score yep. that way. And, and that is that is something that they have direly needed for a while. And usually when you talk about cross matches and transition defense, there's a singular focus on Luka. Now there's a dual focus on Luka and Kyrie. There's uh, seams there for people to exploit yeah. if they run and hit There's seams there for them to exploit. Yeah. Like Kyrie himself can exploit it. Dude, 
how much better does this make, having both those guys, how much better does this make Christian Wood offensively? He can feast off of two players. Oh, my God. Same for same for the shooters. You got yeah. two guys serving you up open threes. Whenever Luka goes to the bench, they're not going to be the worst offense in the NBA anymore. Mm-hmm. They're probably still going to be one of the five or six best. Let's go. You know, it's just going to be very good. Steve, okay, um, we would be remiss though um, if we did not shout out, yeah, uh, my my good friend Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I want to get emotional real quick, and then we could talk about the defense part too. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Dorian came in the league 2016, undrafted. 23-year-old rookie, those guys do not get taken. Mm-hmm. Most of them, they don't even get camp invites. Dorian had to make his way into the NBA via the Summer League. Got a Summer League invite from the Mavs, showed up, impressed them so much on the first day that they offered him a training camp invite. He didn't even have to play in a Summer League game. Mm-hmm. He had already earned a camp invite, and yet he was still the very last guy to make that 2016-17 roster, which, by the way, was not a very good roster. Mm-hmm. And so Dorian had to beat out a lot of players to make this. I mean, yeah. they, were, they were not trying to win you know, 50 games that year. Uh, and <laughs> when you are the 15th guy who is undrafted, you're making like $600,000 a year. And Dorian signed a three-year contract, maybe even a four-year contract skin. Mm-hmm. He was around for a long time, not making very much money. And his mom, during that rookie scale deal, was working at a fast food place. Right. She was... She was cooking food to help raise the family because Dorian wasn't making enough to support them all. Right. And Dorian's got four or five siblings, right. including his mom, family, a lot of people to take care of. And then he signed a deal in 2019, very well-deserved, and his mom got to retire, and now Dorian's very, very deservedly paid. But he has truly had to earn everything, every step of the way. Got DNP'd for the first like week and a half of his career only got inserted into a game against the Bucks five games into the year because Dirk got hurt and Justin Anderson was in foul trouble. God, I don't remember that. <laughs> Dorian checks into a game in the fourth quarter, shuts down Giannis. The Mavs end up winning in overtime. Wow. And Dorian is a starter for the rest of his career. Now, with the Mavs, at least. Hopefully yeah. he still is with Brooklyn. But he had to earn his spot in the rotation. And Rick doesn't like playing rookies. Yep. So he had to earn his minutes every single night of his career. He had to earn every single dollar, every single assignment, every single shot. It took him four years to become an above-average three-point shooter. And he just, got hurt early and missed a development. Yeah. Like, was it his second year? Yeah, missed got? almost a whole season. Yeah. Missed like 64 out of 82 games. Yeah, that's the second tough se- when you're trying to come up. As a guy that's making less than the minimum. Yeah. You know, for a very bad team. They right. could have easily gotten him up on out of here and signed somebody else, but they kept him around because he's an incredible person, mm-hmm. an incredibly hard worker. And so, anyway, it was just a joy and a privilege to watch Dorian just bust his ass every single night, literally every single night for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however many you need me, I got you. Uh, just a, an absolute privilege. I wish Dorian all the best in the world, and I'm going to miss watching him play basketball for the Mavs very, very much. Yeah, and I'm with you. Very well said. And, you know, not only enjoy watching him on the floor, but enjoy him as a person. Like, you know, you, you always talk about trying to have the right kind of dudes around. Dude, he's an ace. Like, just a great guy. So, I uh, will talk more about what Brooklyn did. I, I feel like, uh, I, as the day went on, I was like, God, can Dorian please get traded to a contender? What are you doing to him? What in the hell, Brooklyn? So, we can get into all that, but he is going, you know, we're in the day and age of tribute videos. 
Dude, we might just do like a whole tribute halftime for yep. him when he comes back because he is beloved by fans and organization and teammates and coaches. And awesome guy. For some people, it took a while to come around on. For some people, it wasn't until the Mavs went to the conference finals and Dorian had that huge game in game four, I think game six against Phoenix. He had like eight threes. Like he was just unbelievable. And fans finally realized, like everyone finally realized, you know, right. just how good this guy is. Yeah. And, and how cool his story is. So um, wish Dorian the best. But the Mavs, other than that trade, they did not do anything. No Christian Wood trade, no Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. We'll see about the buyout market. Not really sure what that looks like. It's going to develop and change by the by the second, basically. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on the Mavs kind of otherwise standing pat? Well, I mean, I thought they were going to make another move, but I also didn't anticipate every team in the league making moves. I mean, I feel like they probably just kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit. Hundred guys got traded, dude. Yeah, and when you look at all the all the deals and what, I, I just think everything changed dramatically with the Brooklyn deal, and I think people's mentalities change, and I think plans change, like the types of deals people were looking for. I think the Mavericks, I think their plans probably changed on the types of deals they were looking for too. Um, especially since the best guy they had to cover Kevin Durant, they just traded to Kevin Durant's team and now Kevin Durant's here and you're going to deal with them. It's so weird the way all this works out. Uh, so I, I'm, I thought there would be another move coming, but based on what else happened, I'm not surprised something else didn't happen. Yeah. And we'll see again, the buyout market, it's going to be competitive. There's going to be a lot of good names. I don't know if you've seen the list of guys that are expected to be bought out, but it's, it's pretty impressive. We should talk about them next. Maybe we will, you know, cause we got a whole nother segment coming up. What exactly did the Suns do to, to spoil our night, to spoil our Thursday afternoon? Are there any other teams that are really pissing us off lately? We're going to have a vent sesh right after this. Our numbers on the boards. Presented by Fanboys. And Studio 41 Radio. Oh, did you have five more seconds to kill? Oh, yeah. Um, well, we're, no, it's, now it's one second. Oh, bye. Welcome back numbers on the board studio 41 radio 97 one the freak mavs youtube channel spotify itunes etc i'm bobby he's skin we're still here we got construction going on those guys are still here hey wow we got chopper and katia they're here oh man it is a party in studio 41 now skin on thursday you were joined by a very special guest on your radio program on 97 one the freak in fact i think your name is like in the show Yes, you, it you is. you host that show the ben and skin show that's your show that's 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 me that's not a different skin you're like so it's the same skin. I'm the guy. Oh my God. Isn't it crazy? Do that like every day? Five days a week. Whoa. Yeah. When? Uh, I don't know where. <laughs> I don't know. So I just, <laughs> just show up there and then throws on the air. Yeah. And like you just it's do it. It's a floating so time. It's do weird. Do they pay you? Are you sure you work there? I'm not certain that I work there. Okay. iHeart's well, a tricky company. We'll get to the bottom of that. But yeah. we were uh, we were hard at work in Studio 41. And I saw a tweet that said you had Nico Harrison on the show. We did. And now I'm curious, if I want to go listen to that myself, can I do that? But secondly, can you give me the, the Spark Nose version of what uh, – did, did Nico drop any nuggets on the air with you all? Yeah, he was uh, – I thought it was great. We only had 10 minutes because they were headed to go get on a bus. And we couldn't talk to him until after the trade deadline was over. But it was very nice for them to, to make sure that we had 10 minutes with Nico. But I think the things that you know really stood out from my perspective – is him acknowledging, hey, we probably don't have enough defense. You know, hopefully we have enough offense. I mean, I asked him straight up. I was like, do you guys have enough defense to make a run like you did, you know, last year? He's like, guess we're going to find out. You know, he was pretty frank about it. I don't know, pal. (laughs) So, and then also being real frank about, well, if this doesn't work out, we're not committed to Kyrie long-term. 
You know, because it's like you make a deal like this, you go, okay, he's a free agent. You know, how come you guys aren't going to do an extension, et cetera, et cetera. He very much talked about it not only being, a, from Kyrie's perspective, being a tryout, but from the Mavericks' perspective being a tryout, which I I appreciate that candor, you know, because a lot of guys will know that and they won't say it. Mm. I mean, I loved last year when they made the Spencer Dinwiddie, Davis Bertans for Porzingis deal. He came out and said, oh, no, we got a lot more moves to make to be a championship contender. I appreciate that. That's that's realism, and I don't think he's burning bridges or hurting feelings. I think the reason people like Nico Harrison, he has those relationships, is because he's real with them. Mm. Uh, and I think that the Mavericks are gambling, Jay Kidd and Nico specifically, that their relationship with Kyrie will make him want to stay. And then I also think that they see the need for a player like Kyrie on this team. So... Those are the main things. I definitely recommend you going and, and uh, checking it out. We tweet out links to all the Ben and Skin Show podcast every episode. You can get it on the iHeart app. So definitely go and listen to it. It was I thought it was really, really good direct stuff. Every time you talk to Nico, something good seems to happen. In fact, you were just kind of a whisperer in general, right? I'm we talked Nico to Nico whisperer. before the year, Josh Green, breakout season. Yes. You said the Mavs need Tim Hardaway to be good, went on a heater. Okay. Can you, can you say that again? Can you just talk about Tim for like five seconds? and we can... Do we need him to go on another heater? Because yeah, he hit yeah. a huge shot against the Clippers Wednesday night to salt that thing away. It's like whenever he hits shots, they, they win. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, the shots he's about to get are about to be even better. Yeah. Uh, I think like Harp alluded to it in the interview with Theo Pinson last night. Monday night against the Jazz and Wednesday night. So they shouldn't have won that Jazz game on paper. Mm -hmm. But they won it with the way that they played and the confidence that they exuded. And same thing happened Wednesday night. That looked like a confident team. And if you want to know, like fans can have opinions on what Kyrie is or isn't. Players know. Oh, yeah. And if you don't want to, if, if you really want to argue this, I would say look at the intangible effect in that locker room of those dudes knew, knowing that they're rolling with Kyrie now and the way that they carried themselves in those two games. Like, you, can, you don't have to be a body language expert to look at the way that that team played and the confidence that they carried with themselves in those two games because they felt like their season was changing mm -hmm. dramatically because of the dude that was walking in the door. And there is, with that confidence, comes like the, the sort of this, this liberation of like J-Kid openly saying the word championship and players on the team saying the word championship. Yeah. Now, with that, you have to be confident, but you also have to be able to back it up, mm -hmm. right? And I think the, the other side of that coin is if you are going to try and win a championship, means you got to be willing to be coached. Yep. It means you got to be willing to talk to each other. It means that you can't be, you know, uh shy if you think someone's making a mistake. It means you got to get on each other's butts right. and and really talk it out. And so I think that this could be kind of a transformative moment for them. I, I think so too. And I think like look, you're always going to say you believe in your teammates and you're going to go to battle with them and all that stuff, but they know who's elite and who's not. Mm. And you just got a chance to win a championship it increased exponentially because you just added an elite dude, like elite. You added another Luca. I mean, yeah. he's not as good as Luca, but like, he's like one of the 10 or 15 best players alive. He's a starting you know? all-star homie. Yeah. We're talking about the cream of the crop. Yeah. You know? Um, okay. Another one of those guys, his former teammate, Kevin Durant, he got traded to the Suns. What the hell just happened? Dude. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. A one-team negotiation that happened like literally overnight, overnight. at like 1 a.m. Central Time. Feels like it was a heist. Yeah, very bizarre. Now, uh, 
I love the package Brooklyn got. Oh yeah. I don't understand what they're doing. I <laughs> why did so if they thought that this was possible, I don't did they not run the Kyrie deal by Kevin Durant? Dude, I don't know. You're basically saying if you knew that you were going to trade KD, then why would you trade okay. Kyrie for what you traded him and for? Do you agree that trading Kevin Durant for that package is a good return for Brooklyn? Very good. Yeah. I Incredible think it is. Return. So let me ask you this. Now that you know that you're going to trade Kevin Durant for that package, did they make a good deal with the Mavericks? I'm, I don't think I'm so, happy and I that, like those players. I'm happy the order of operations is the way that it was. I think that the Mavericks don't get Kyrie Irving if – they knew that they were going to do Kevin Durant for that deal. I agree. There's no way. I agree. They probably do the Westbrook unprotected picks deal. Yeah. Well, and also, too, this is the other thing. All the media people that are, like, in on the game, they talked about Dorian Finney-Smith being a guy that KD really likes. They wouldn't be talking about that stuff if if they thought that KD was going to request a trade. Like, what? I think the Nets were really caught off guard. What the hell? They were caught off guard by I think the they deals were, man. that they made? I think they were. Like, like the by the sentiment, by the by the situation, now, by the again, temperature. Again, I'm happy that we have Kyrie. It's pretty sick, isn't it? But what was that? What just happened in the last three days? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. That's insane. But there was a hold on a second. You realize they had James Harden not too long ago? <laughs> yeah, what like are they last, doing? In last Brooklyn? season, dude. Last season. It those, is they so had, weird. Those three guys on their team last season. That is so weird. Now they have a lot of first round picks. Some first-round picks. Oh, and they have Dorian and Mikhail Bridges. And Ben Simmons. <laughs> what are they Don't forget doing? about Ben Simmons. What are they, oh, they have Ben Simmons. What are they doing? Dude, I, it's awesome. It's awesome. If yeah. you are between 6'5 and 6'8, there's like a 50% chance you're on the Nets. <laughs> like, it's like a really... If not, you're on the Clippers. Yeah. Um, balance of power, though. I saw a tweet. I think it was from Mavs Burner. I'm not sure. I probably got the account wrong, so I'm sorry. But someone said... Uh, it was fun when the Mavs ran the West for like 30 minutes. You know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like Phoenix, are they, I mean, their depth is questionable. And Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, not and Devin Booker even, the last couple of years, not mm -hmm. exactly the, the a spotless uh, record of health. Yep. You know, but if they're healthy, then oh my God, dude. So uh, have, have I ever talked to you about my Chris Paul, uh, Russell Westbrook trade from many years ago? I don't believe so. So, and I, as you know, I'm a Sam Presti fanboy. Mm -hmm. The mistake that the Oklahoma City Thunder made was not trading James Harden. The mistake was that they should have traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Because if you just go was back... Was that something and, that was on the table? Not that I'm aware of. Mm. Are you telling me New Orleans would have turned that down? Oh, so you're talking like pre-Clippers yes. era. Okay. Right. So well, he was forcing his way out of there. If you just look at how all that went down and all that stuff, are you telling me that, and I don't remember the salary machinations. I mean, we can go back and construct it real easily, but the very simple move that would have brought multiple championships to Oklahoma City was Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul to keep James Harden. That was the deal. Mm-hmm. That's uh, and at the time, I think the salaries were manageable to do something like that. But and no one at that time knew James Harden was about to be an MVP. Like they knew he was really good, but no one thought he was going to suddenly just be transformative. But uh, Chris Paul and Kevin Durant together in their prime wins championships. And 
the style of play that Russ plays, which is different and MVP-ish as well. I'm not knocking it, but I'm saying the way Chris Paul plays would have been way more conducive to working with Kevin Durant. So I always thought that, and I always said that. I was like, that's the deal that should have happened. That's you were the a decade deal. ahead of your time. I think I was 15 years ahead. How long ago was all that? <laughs> I don't know. But it's it is interesting to me that Chris Paul had to have been thinking, I blew it. He had to have been thinking, I had the championship, and we let Milwaukee come back. And then if you look at the mood in Phoenix and the way things were and the way things are going, he had to be thinking, I blew it. And now he gets the gift of Kevin Durant. This is their chance. This is his chance. This is his chance. Who knows what happens in the offseason, but everything Phoenix gave up, this is a two-year window. And For those who don't know, Chris Paul is 38 years old. There Kevin is Durant a, is 35 years old. And they have injury histories. And there is also a commonly held belief in the league that I give Chris Paul all the credit for changing that he was done at 34. Like, if you go back and look at what Houston, the trade, and what they could have got, and all this, that, and the other, it was looked at as, man, he's got this meniscus issue. I mean, they gave up multiple picks to get Russ. Right. Like, Chris Paul was very good for the Rockets, and they gave up picks to get rid of him. Right. And uh, not only that, Chris Paul went and drugged that thunder. That was supposed to be a teardown. They were the four seed. He drugged them to the playoffs. It was like him, Danilo Gallinari, and us. Yeah. So I think he totally reinvented himself going to Oklahoma City. Totally restored this belief that he's one of the greatest players of all time. Just never got it done. And then handpicked Phoenix to go there. And they were sitting right there. And they let Milwaukee come back on him. Mm -hmm. And so I know in his heart of hearts he thought I blew it especially with the way things are going with Aiton. I mean, the Mavericks kept getting tied to Aiton and trade chatter, right? Wendy will tell you they still are. Yeah. But uh, I just think it's so interesting because now it is a high leverage, high stakes move that the Suns made because if this does not work out really to win it all this year, I think things get weird for them in the offseason. They cannot trade a first-round pick until 2031. So they are done making trades with picks for the rest of the decade. I'll be retired by then. So will KD and Chris Paul, dude. <laughs> I mean, heck, Devin Booker is already, what, like 26? I think if they... I mean, and here, I also believe this. I believe that one of the reasons the Mavericks were able to beat the Suns last year is because Chris Paul had nothing left. Mm-hmm. And Charles Barkley was hitting on how hard it is for guys that age because they had just gone on a long run. Remember the thought forever was that the reason the Spurs never won back-to-back is because they were gassed from the year before. It's a long, long run. Mm -hmm. It is a long, long run. And uh, I think that if they don't get it done this year, I I mean, they're tough. I mean, oh, my God. Who knows? I even if they do get it done this year, their roster might be totally different by next year. Right. Like, but that, it's worth it. It's, I mean, it's you gotta worth do it. it. You got to do it to get you know, that. Well, shit. especially for a team like Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been never won one. They've never won one. That's right. But wow. I mean, I guess in theory, like if you're talking about like a total super team and if everybody buys into like the idealized version of what they would do for this team, mm-hmm. right? Booker and KD are scoring 60 points a night. 
Aiton is going to get 20 rebounds and he's going to get a bunch of putbacks. Yeah. If he's if he's down to not post up and down to not run pick and roll and down to just be an energy guy, mm-hmm. he could be the Tyson. You know why oh, not? He he it'd be good if, for and if, he if he could dial it in on defense and on the on the glass. He's got to focus on defense and the glass. They have plenty of offense. He's got and they his don't money. Don't have any defense. They don't have any defense. <laughs> like the Mavericks are an elite defensive team compared to the Phoenix. Suns. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna they be tough. They really are. But Chris Paul, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because you think of Chris Paul as this like pick and roll, space the floor, read the floor. You got your lob target. You got your shooters. But it's it's very much defer, very much catch and shoot. Booker and, and and Durant are not really running off screens. You know, right. they're ISO guys. They're like ISO face-up players. Yeah. So if CP3 can be that off-ball, spot-up guy, and then maybe when they're on the bench, then he can do a little creative stuff. It's interesting hearing you talk about Chris Paul like he's Derek Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I know. Dude. And it, it's, it's age. I mean, I'm not taking shots at Chris Paul. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not, but I mean, he's distantly third on their team in time of possession. If yeah. I'm the coach, like you are just you're not the point guard anymore. No, dude, I'm I'm not. I'm not, I don't take anything away from what the Mavericks did last year. I think Chris Paul was done. Yeah. And I think it has to do with his age and minutes and all that stuff. Well, it's a year later, my friends. That does that only goes one way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you say he's 38. He's 38 or about to be. Wow. Yeah. He's yeah. Time, Father Time is undefeated, bro. Yeah. Um, one team that Father Time has tollen, the belt for whom the bell was of Father Time was tolling. Well said, Bobby. Thank you. I'm a I'm a I'm a, a poet. Wouldn't you know it? Mm-hmm. Was the L.A. Lakers? LeBron, similarly 38 years old, 80. I don't know off the top of my head how old he is, but I it's probably he not as old as his body. Old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they turn around and they trade Russ. They end that experiment and they got a lot of help for. Not a lot of compensation going I'm out. Really, I don't know how they pulled I'm it off. really impressed with what the Lakers yeah, did. Yeah, it, it's enough to make you question, like, what's the deal? Yeah. Like, why does this? Why did the Lakers always get bailed out? Why yeah. do they always fall up? Because they turn Russ, one pick, and a few seconds uh-huh. into... And, and Pat, Pat Beverly. Beverly. And Pat Beverly. Into, chronologically, Ruby Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mo Bamba. Yeah. Who are now, in some order, their third through seventh best player on their roster. Incredible, and and not just for because like now like I can I can make an argument that I think they at least get to the second round. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, mean, they're they're if they get in, know, that, they're going to be seven or eight. They're going to play Denver and Memphis. That so Good the job. trade deadline sucked for those two teams. Yeah, dude, because they're going to have to contend with a, something that's way more treacherous than they thought. Yeah. Uh, even a team like I think Minnesota's way better than they were. Yeah, I think Conley is Conley's exactly huge what they for need. I love oh, Mike Conley. Oh, it's huge for them. Love Mike Conley. Yes. So, um, yeah. So the West just got insane. I mean, in 36 hours, it got nuts. Dude, how about Denver? You're like, there's like a 90 percent chance we're gonna win the conference. You know, we're we're gonna play one series, and that's gonna be in the finals. Yeah. And now. You're gonna have to play a team of Hall of Famers Absolutely. in the first round or the second or both. And that's when guys that are Hall of Famers know how to get things done. Yeah. That's uh that was an incredible uh day last twenty four hours for the Lakers. Very, very impressive. And, you know, for all the people talking about, oh, Kyrie was just gonna go to the Lakers in the offseason, well, he would have had to take a pay cut to do it. Now, if if he quote unquote wants to go to Phoenix or LA, get ready to s- sign up for 
one eighth of your market value there, buddy. Mm. Uh, so I just think the land, not only for this year, but for the future, seismic, like massive shifting and unexpected and wild. Yeah. I mean, moving forward, and now we don't know how Kyrie, whatever, we don't know how this ends this season, let alone three years from now. Right. But like, if nothing changes too much mm-hmm. going into next season, it's Dallas, Phoenix, is it the Lakers? Lakers like, trajectory is different the, to me. Yeah, if, they, if especially now if they can turn around and turn those guys into a better player, but that's that's beyond our yeah that's beyond our our gaze. Those three, Denver, mm-hmm. the Clippers, mm-hmm. hello, they got better. Yeah, like did Kawhi look hurt to you last night? I don't. I don't know. He just kind of Kawhi's around. Kind of gaunt in the face, to be honest. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, physically, he looked pretty he, awesome for like. 10 minutes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really it, kind of pissing me off. The, the, the I don't know, it was just it's just kind of interesting. But yeah, I, I mean I'm I, I think the Clippers are going to be way better in the playoffs than they've been during the regular season. Mm. Uh so yeah, there's there's a lot of uh God, the West is insane. Yeah. Now those are five teams I would also like to submit to you the Wolves because they've been playing without Towns and they just got Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. Um that's six teams I have not mentioned the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what is happening there. Like they I'm, got they got some serious issues off the floor, and they have some issues on it too. I'm biased against the Grizzlies. I know that you, I'm not, I'm not even a Grizzlies hater, but I similarly am biased against them. Yeah, I don't know what to make of them, man. I don't. Like, I don't. It either. felt like this was the year where you gotta you gotta join the arms race. Like I don't know what's happening. I, I don't boldly, know what's gonna happen. I boldly said no, no, no. The Grizzlies are last year's Hawks. They're gonna fall back, and they didn't. So I'm wrong. So I'm eating it. But I'm still looking at that going, how does that function in the playoffs? I mean, they're only, if if we look at the... How does that function in the playoffs? They can't. They still can't score in the half court. And like... And man, the stories are wild. Yeah, I, I don't know how how sky high on, on the Suns and the Mavs and the Clippers you are, but all three of those teams are four games behind the Grizzlies. Dude, and I would Steven not Adams be... Steven Adams is not coming back. I would not soon. be shocked at all if there was a tumble there. Like... I wouldn't be shocked at if all if they don't make it out of the first. And the Mavs play the Grizzlies three times. Is that right? After the All Star break. Okay. Yeah. And so if you four games can become one very quickly. And I'm not I'm not like calling it. I think the Grizzlies could still just destroy the Mavs three times. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they've been doing but, they've been I want to give them their due. Yeah. Just because I don't personally see it. Mm. I mean, I'm wrong about all kinds of crap, but give them their no, due. You're no, you're not. You're wrong about that. I'm wrong about that. You're wrong about how wrong you are. Okay. Any 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 final words? Any final thoughts? In I can't wait for the Laker Maverick game on the 26th. Yeah. That's right. That Sunday. Dude, how that about Suns on the fifth? Oh my God. I mean, it's gonna be. This is so much it's fun. It's gonna be fun, dude. Look, we're I'm Maverick fan first and foremost. You know, foam finger wearing a Brad Davis perm wig. Uh, but I love NBA basketball, and I know you do too. And so I just love the action. Dude, teams are going for it. They're going for They're it trying. at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. It's real awesome. And the Mavs are the best team in the NBA. Ever. Ever. <laughs> of all time. Woo! Move over, Warriors. Suns, you're boring. Dude. All right? We didn't even talk about the Warriors. Yeah, they got Gary Payton for, like, nothing. Uh, <laughs> James Wiseman, I guess. Yeah. All you had to do was trade the number two pick. Maybe we'll dive into them next time. Okay. Yeah, we're out of time, right? Yeah. 
All right. Well, this is fun, man. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, and dude. And I love being able to do this on YouTube and being able to do it on 97.1 The Freak, the home of Dallas Mavericks basketball. It's a yeah. really, really cool thing. Man. Tonight, by the way, uh, Coop on 97.1 The Freak because the Mavs have a basketball game. Second game against the Kings. Let's go. Let's go, dude. Let's make it a uh, 50-game win streak. We talk about the Kings at all. Oh, my God. We did it. We made it. We made it. No Kings. <laughs> they, they don't exist. All right. We'll see you next time on Numbers on the Boards. Presented by Fanboys, the official Toys of the Dallas Mavericks. Bye. See ya.